0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening and thanks for joining us. Breaking details on the murder of Marissa Shen. Investigators now confirm the 13-year-old died in a random attack.
2: Marissa was reported missing eight days ago. Her body found only hours after that, early last Wednesday morning in Burnaby Central Park. That's where our Ramina Dea is tonight, and Romina, a devastating, and for some, a very scary development today.
3: This is terrifying news for this community, Chris. I hit, again, warning residents to look out for each other. Don't take your safety for granted, because no one has been arrested. A review of the evidence to date indicates Ms. Shen's murder was a random attack no suspects, no motive, no relief for petrified residents. You know, it's just scary cuz that could happen anywhere and anytime to anybody cuz you don't know how to prevent it if it's random, you can't exactly protect yourself from it. 13-year-old Marissa Shen was last seen leaving home at 6:02 p.m. last Tuesday. Hours later, early Wednesday morning at one ten. Her body was found in the bushes in Burnaby Central Park across the street from her home.
4: She didn't deserve this. Like, she wasn't a bad kid. She was never involved with anything bad, you know. It's a little bit sad that there's still not that much
3: new investigation process. The public desperate for more details from police. Was she sexually assaulted? I can't speak to any of the evidence uh, in this uh, investigation. Corporal, do you believe she was murdered in the park or was her body brought here? I can't speak to the evidence of the investigation.
4: What I can feel is that the process is very slow and that we, like, it would make it easier for us, like, if we know what is happening.
3: Investigators aware of the public's growing concerns because the killer is still out there. A heart-wrenching time for everyone, including police.
5: I empathize with the family. I am sincere about that, that, uh... I cannot imagine what they're going through. I lost my daughter for uh, about 15 minutes at the peony when she was two. I can't imagine what it's like to have, uh, have your child taken away under these circumstances.
2: I think a lot of people share that feeling from Superintendent McDonald there. Uh, Ramina, police also making another plea for video from the area that day, dash cam or otherwise. What do we need to know?
3: They're looking for everything and anything at this point. I had has received more than 80 tips from the public which they are extremely grateful for. But as you mentioned, dash cam video, iPhone footage pictures, even a selfie. If you were in the park on Tuesday, July 18th, after 6 p.m. up until Wednesday morning, 1 a.m., if you have any of those details, any of that evidence that I just mentioned, potential evidence, investigators want to hear from you. Chris. Well,
2: let's hope it leads to something. Ramina Dea in Burnaby. Thanks, Ramina. Random stranger assaults are exceedingly rare. Most victims of violent crime are known to the accused. According to Stats Canada, murders committed by strangers up until 2015, the last year available, they accounted for 13% of homicides and between 74 and 1999, just 10% of murders involving children were committed by strangers.
5: Most murders involve people who um, know each other, the victim and the offender are known to each other. Uh, anywhere between 80 and 90% uh, would be those sorts of those sorts of cases. So The most common form of murder is one involving uh, family members or close friends. So uh, complete strangers uh, attacking uh, other complete strangers, extremely unusual.
1: And more breaking news now in Vancouver. This is a picture of 11-year-old Bruno Fulton. Take a good look. He disappeared while riding his bike with his family in Stanley Park this afternoon. Let's take a look at a live shot of Stanley Park from our Global One helicopter. A Bruno was last seen near Second Beach Pool, and a major search is now underway in the area. Our Nadia Stewart is in that park tonight. Nadia, what have you learned?
6: Uh, Well, we know that uh, park rangers and VPD have fanned out across the park. Actually, there's a a ranger standing not too far from me. A police cruiser just drove past me. Uh, They've been looking for uh, Bruno Fulton since he was last seen in the park at around lunchtime. He was riding his bike with his family along the seawall. Now, police don't know uh, whether whether or not he continued riding along the seawall over to UBC, if he rode his bike downtown, or if he perhaps made his way off in some other direction. And so that is the concern this evening. Here's a description of Bruno Fulton. He was last seen riding a sky blue Rocky Mountain bike wearing a black helmet. He is... Five foot six inches tall, so pretty tall for an 11 year old. His mother says that on his bike uh, at that height, he often is mistaken for about 15 years old. So keep that in mind. He's about 110 pounds. He has reddish short hair, green eyes, wearing black shorts, a purple t shirt, and flip flops. If you see him, reassure him, let him know his family and police are looking for him, and then call 911. Back to you.
1: All right, hopefully we'll be able to track him down. Nadia, thank you. An
2: aggressive wildfire prompting a new evacuation order for a handful of Clinton-area homeowners. The blaze is only 30 percent contained. Our Neetu Garcha got a first-hand look at how the fire activity is ramping up and some dramatic new drone footage, too, of the damage in Loon Lake, Neetu.
7: Well, Chris, you can see the smoke billowing from the mountains behind me. That is the Elephant Hill wildfire. It flared up last night, pushing it past containment lines and towards the Bonaparte River. And among the strategies in place to try and stunt its growth is controlled burning. Now that is to prevent it from destroying any more homes like those that burned down in Loon Lake. Aggressive, fast and fierce. That
8: spooks a lot of people. It kind of spooked me.
7: The Elephant Hill wildfire catching steam. If it's not wind-driven, it's fuel-driven. Hot, dry days adding to the dangerous mix.
9: Yeah, last night was the first time we actually saw the flames over there.
7: Ground crews working day in and day out. As water bombers and helicopters effort from up above. To protect communities like Clinton that have been on evacuation alert for nearly three weeks.
8: It changes everybody's... Um, mindset and, and you can there's there's a lot of tension a lot of stress and uh, some people don't wait for the evacuation or do they leave and
0: you know it's just like a ghost town for weeks on end. It's burnt right to the bottom of the valley similar to what you saw on the Cache Creek to uh, Loon Lake Road right on Highway 97 so it's coming down to a the natural guard there is Highway 97, so the natural guard here will be the Bone Park River.
7: The more than 60,000 hectare wildfire taking out some of the community of Loon Lake. Take a look at this drone footage from the Thompson-Nicola Regional District. Aerials showing properties, including some cabins and homes, reduced to ashes. That unsettling sight, another reason why this flare-up is causing concern in Clinton.
10: The fire was just about out, and then they lit a backfire. That's what that is right there, is a backfire.
0: This, the only way we can fight this fire is by backburning. So if we're, we're going to lose some ground with it, but if we don't, we'll lose a lot of ground.
7: Fighting fire with fire when the biggest wild card is the weather means many continue to rely on the more than 400 trained professionals working to fully contain this growing wildfire. Now, to give you an idea of some of the destruction left in this wildfire's path, in Loon Lake, we're told that upwards of 60 structures have been damaged or destroyed. Now, that includes permanent residents' homes and vacation cabins. And among the losses, the Volunteer Fire Department's fire hall. Back to you.
2: They're trying to raise some money for a new one right now. Thanks very much, uh, Nitu Garcha, up in Clinton. So let's bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon right now to talk about some of the factors fueling those fires right now. Christy.
11: Thanks, Chris. Well, it was incredibly hot in that region today. Ashcroft hit 36 degrees, so gusty winds from that heat certainly was a factor. But what's worse, a cold front hit the area today. And just like we've seen time and time again this summer, the cold front brought zero rain to the region. Instead, dry gusty winds. Now, we do expect these winds to ease off later on this evening, and I'll have more details about that later on.
1: All right. Thanks, Christy.
11: Now, in Lake Country, RCMP are calling a
1: fire that destroyed eight houses in that community arson. The fast-moving fire started July 18th, 15th rather, initially it was thought to be human caused but not intentional, but today RCMP revealed it was intentionally set.
12: It's a horrific crime uh, and uh, matter to put other people through. If you do have information, put yourself in that position of those individuals that were directly impacted by this fire
1: investigators have spoken with one group of campers and they're hoping to speak with another group that was also in the area at the time and maybe potential witnesses
2: an evacuee of the princeton fire who lost her home now admits she was reluctant to go 81 year old layla bird didn't want to leave her home choosing to ignore several visits from rcmp and fortis bc it wasn't until an rcmp officer parked his vehicle in her driveway and said he wasn't leaving until she did, that she finally packed up and left.
11: And you know you're paralyzed when you see something like that. You think if you stand there with your sprinkler, you can actually stop it. And of course, the police were trying to get me out. But it's just stuff, you know, and the oven needed cleaning anyway.
2: Layla, who lives with her son Will, who was out of town when the fire started, is now looking to rebuild.
13: Oh, what's your...
1: A big blow to the Surrey creep catchers, BC's privacy watchdog is ordering the group to remove and destroy some of its online videos. The ruling comes after two men filed separate complaints. The group given 30 days to comply or face thousands of dollars in fines as well as prosecution. But they're vowing to defy the order.
2: The privacy commission can, you know, people can say we're, you know, we think we're above the law. No, we don't think we're above the law. But, you know, sometimes the, the law doesn't work. Sometimes, um, sometimes you have to do what you feel is right, even though um, you're being told not to.
8: The law that's broken is the Personal Information Protection Act of BC, and that applies to how private sector organizations collect, use, and disclose our personal information. And they can't do that without our informed consent. And in this case... They did not have the informed consent or because the information was collected through misleading or deceptive practices, that consent is nullified.
1: Well, Vancouver police are appealing for the public's help after shots were fired into a house in the area of Kings Avenue and Reed Street last night just before 11. Investigators believe they have identified the uh, intended targets who are known to police. Fortunately, no one was actually in the home, or pardon me, no one in the home was injured. No arrests have been made. Anyone who may have information about the shooting is asked to call Crime Stoppers.
2: More people are taking transit. According to a new service performance review, ridership has seen the biggest jump since the 2010 Olympics. Ted Chernecki breaks down the numbers and explains which mode of travel is seeing the greatest growth.
0: TransLink's joy more and more are climbing aboard, especially SkyTrain, where ridership is up almost 12% in the first six months of this year, compared to the same six-month period a year earlier, when the Evergreen extension was already in service.
13: It puts us actually at the top of all the major uh, regions in uh, U.S. and Canada in growth.
0: Bus usage is up 2.5%, SkyTrain up 11.9%, Seabus up 57 and the West Coast Express down 6.1% because, it's believed, of the evergreen extension. If anything, TransLink might be too successful in some routes, like along the King George Highway Corridor, where buses are getting seriously overcrowded.
5: Nuts. Very nuts. It's like... You have a 75% chance of getting on a bus. I stood in line and got to
14: the front, and it was just absolutely full. Cool. Sometimes
0: it gets so busy that you gotta
14: take the next bus.
0: The three most congested bus routes, by far, number 99, the UBC Broadway B-Line. It carried an elbow-to-elbow 17.2 million passengers, almost double the next busiest route. And not surprising, 33% of the time, the 99 B-Line is overcrowded. Next is the 555 line from Lougheed to Langley, overcrowded 30% of the time, followed by several lines at 14% overcrowded.
11: Customers will now simply pay one zone for all buses. And that means on buses, customers will only need to tap
6: in.
0: You may also remember how TransLink effectively lowered its fares in late 2015. The new Compass cards were getting confused, so TransLink scrapped the three-zone system and replaced it with a single zone for buses only. TransLink predicted then that ridership would probably go up. Ted Cherneke, Global News.
1: More tonight on the province's opposition to the Trans Mountain Pipeline. It would appear the new NDP government is changing its tune. Keith Baldry joins us with more on this. And Keith, Attorney General David Eby alluding to this recently when he spoke about permits for Kinder Morgan. They can't actually deny them.
8: No, and uh, this is very interesting. So the NDP remains uh, uh, firmly, uh, maintains its opposition to the pipeline, but it's always been unclear exactly how a provincial government can stop a pipeline, because it's a federal pipeline. One of the, the uh, weapons the province was assumed to have was the ability to deny permits to Kinder Morgan to build a, a, necessar- a necessary permit to build a pipeline over any stream or river in this province. But David Eby, speaking to Canada's Radio CHN Alia yesterday, uh, says no. The legal analysis is that weapon is out of the arsenal. Here's the attorney. General.
13: We're not allowed to take measures that uh, artificially uh, delay permits. Um, What we are allowed to do is to make sure uh, that the permits reflect uh, uh, having adequate protections for British Columbians and for um, uh, ensuring that if there is a spill uh, that uh, there's adequate response and that uh, the construction of the pipeline is done in a way that minimizes the risk of spills. So there are options that are available to us and
0: options that aren't.
8: So it remains to be seen what weapon the government has now to actually stop the pipeline. Further muddying the whole situation is this uh, mandate letter John Horgan sent to uh, Environment Minister George Heyman. In it, and when it comes to Kinder Morgan, Heyman is not being asked to try to stop the pipeline. He's simply being asked to defend B.C.'s interest in the face of the expansion of the pipeline, almost as if it's a fait accompli, a, a likely done deal. So Andrew Weaver, the B.C. Green Party, is concerned about this change in language. It remains to be seen whether NDP's action in government against Morgan will match the action demanded by the
2: NDP when they were in opposition. Back to you guys.
1: All right. All right. Thanks for that, Keith.
2: Well, it might seem like an unlikely place for a luxury high-rise hotel and condo building. Three Civic Plaza will be the tallest building south of the Fraser River, built right in the middle of the infamous Surrey Strip. Why, the city believes the tower is raising expectations about what this rough and tumble neighborhood can be in just over a minute.
1: Well, it doesn't get more bold than this. A trio of prisoners recording their jailbreak on camera. How they did it later on the news hour.
2: Another bombshell series of tweets from President Trump. How he just alienated thousands of members of the U.S. military. Coming up a little later. Now, we get our first look tonight from the top of a major new development transforming the notorious Surrey Strip.
1: Jeff Hastings is in Surrey at the site of the new tallest tower south of the Fraser. Jeff.
12: It's been a drastic change to the Surrey city skyline. It's also had a huge impact on the street down here, on the economy, on the people who live here. Let me tell you, Sophie, the view from the top is exactly as good as you think it is.
15: Hopefully nobody's scared to fight.
12: 55 stories is a long way up at a noisy construction okay. elevator. But it's worth it, an utterly unobstructed view of the Lower Mainland, one we don't often see.
16: That is a great building. That
1: is a epic building.
12: Surrey Civic Hotel is a major multi-purpose build. Short-term accommodation next to condos, long sold out, and space for post-secondary education.
1: When you see all the cranes and the various buildings going up, you can see that the vision is coming, uh, coming to fruition.
12: It's the biggest piece of a brand new Wally, a true city centre planned around work and education, lifestyle and transportation. The SkyTrain is just 18 inches
0: away. This creates a sophisticated, welcoming, warm social hub other than downtown Vancouver.
12: Rising above what was one of the worst neighbourhoods around, the true impact of this building is in its shadow the sort of anchor that steadies a regional economy.
5: Vancouver is becoming one of those regions in the world that has two nodes to it. A lot of it's driven by the way settlement patterns have already begun to uh, evolve with people moving out into the suburbs.
12: A changing skyline and changing faces. Suddenly, the youngest city in the province, the trick is to capitalize on regional migration while ensuring some measure of affordability.
16: Well, we are in fact seeing an escalation in costs, and uh, what we're looking at doing is making sure that when we densify, we've got an element of every project that has some affordability factor attached to it.
12: This construction, nowhere near the end. It's estimated there will be 65,000 people calling City Centre home by 2031. So this is the end of a journey for a major project that began all the way back in 2014. The first tenants, the hotel, are set to move in this fall, followed by 300 and some odd people in the condo towers above and then the upper floors, the offices of Kwantlen Polytechnic. Back to you, Sophie.
1: All right, Jeff Hastings in Surrey tonight. Jeff, thank you.
12: The fate of a proposed new Vancouver
2: tower is coming before City Council tonight. Developers want to build the condo tower at Burrard and Nelson on what's now the parking lot behind First Baptist Church. The 57-story development would be one of the tallest in Vancouver, it requires a bylaw for floor space and height allowances, a bylaw change, and many locals say that it's just too high. At this hour, no decision yet.
1: Well, the Cougar are getting a little too close for comfort. I was like freaking out, I didn't know what to do. Why, she isn't the only resident worried the big cat's next appearance could be deadly.
2: And a pedestrian overpass demolished by accident next on the News Hour. Well, as bad as it looks, it could have been a lot worse. In Burnaby this afternoon, a dump truck that appears to have its bucket raised smashed into a pedestrian overpass and brought the whole thing crashing down onto the road. No one was hurt, including the driver, a minor miracle considering the overpass is often used by children walking between two parks.
15: Kids are going to be using it quite frequently. They hang out a lot, especially now that it's like 12 noon. It's like the time perfectly for kids to be passing by using it a lot, right?
1: A cougar is prowling Port Moody, and many residents say it's only a matter of time before it takes a child.
2: The city issued a warning yesterday when the big cat chomped down on a small dog. The dog survived, but residents are worried the next attack could be a lot worse. Catherine Urquhart reports.
16: Madison Hind loves biking the trails behind her Port Moody home. But last week, her outdoor adventure turned terrifying. She had a close encounter with a cougar.
15: I did try backing
10: away from it slowly, not turning my back on it or anything, but uh, when I started to back up, it got up and started coming closer to me, so I decided that was not the best idea.
16: After screaming for a few minutes, Madison rode away unharmed. That happened on Flavel Trail, and recently a cougar attacked a neighborhood dog. The wild cats have been seen in the area for years, but Madison's father says more needs to be done to alert area residents.
14: It was a human being, a, my daughter, who was stalked by this animal. And there should have been warnings and signs at that point, which may have prevented you know, the, the little dog the other day from being, being snatched. Because uh, people would have had more of a knowledge that... This animal was out here.
16: Additional warning signs will be going up, according to the city of Port Moody. Meanwhile, conservation officers are reminding people how to handle an encounter. If you encounter a cougar, uh, make yourself look as large as possible. Don't turn your back to the cougar. Uh, If you can, raise your hands, grab sticks um, to make yourself look large and, and frightening. Back away. Make sure that the cougar has an avenue to escape from. So do not corner the cougar. If you've got a small dog or a kid with you, pick them up. Madison has a few suggestions as well. Do not go alone. Don't be wearing headphones. That's a big one. The 17-year-old says she will venture back into the woods, but she may carry a can of bear spray just in case. Katherine Urquhart, Global News, Port Moody.
2: Would have been scary. Convicts record their escape from prison. My name is Adam Hussein Nahiri. Their brazen jailbreak and what eventually did them in.
1: And born Winners. Cubs fans were celebrating nine months ago, and now they're celebrating it. A surreal sight on the French Riviera as vacationers and locals pack up and leave the beach after being ordered to evacuate. About 10,000 people, many of them on holiday, have been forced out of seaside towns. More than 500 firefighters in the air and on the ground are trying to contain the flames that have scorched 1,300 hectares so far. A combination of strong winds, high temperatures and a lack of rain have fueled those fires.
2: During his presidential election campaign, Donald Trump repeatedly insisted he was the biggest friend of the LGBTQ community. But today, that community is in turmoil because of three tweets. Trump announcing via Twitter that the U.S. government will no longer accept or allow transgender people to serve in the military. That has caught even the Pentagon off guard, drawn denunciations from both sides of the house. Thousands of current transgender soldiers are now in limbo. Well, we're getting our first look tonight at one of the most bizarre videos you're ever likely to see, a jailbreak as it happened.
1: The amateur production of a trio of inmates in a California prison shows exactly how they pulled it off. NBC's Miguel Almaguer has the story.
14: Produced with music, the edited video begins inside the maximum security wing at the Orange County Jail. At ease, smiling for a cell phone smuggled in, this is where three inmates executed their incredible escape. Removing a steel leg from a bunk bed, one inmate slides open a pre-cut metal vent. The video shows the first prisoner shimmying through, returning to give the all clear, accompanied by the theme song to Mission Impossible. Moving behind walls, the inmates remove steel bars, rope and cloth used as a ladder, and another thumbs up. They reach the roof, pausing for even more photos. With rope, they repel five stories down, a real-life Hollywood getaway. In California right now, a massive manhunt for three dangerous inmates. The escape launching an eight-day manhunt. Jonathan Chu, wanted for murder, Bach Young for attempted murder, and Hussein Nairi for kidnapping and torture. My name is Adam Hussein Nairi. Nairi narrates the video, implying a cab driver who police say was kidnapped willingly drove them into San Francisco. But Long Ma says he was held at gunpoint for days as the trio posed at Hayton Ashbury. This is our casa. The trio hid in a van, drinking whiskey and smoking marijuana before one inmate turned himself in and the others were captured. A stunning escape, brazen for law enforcement, embarrassing. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News, Los Angeles.
1: Another huge step in the shift toward electric-powered vehicles. The British government announcing today it will ban the sale of all gas and diesel-powered vehicles by the year 2040. France announced a similar ban earlier this month. The car industry is feeling significant pressure to meet tighter government pollution standards. Well, how about a spectacular look at the northern lights from space nasa astronaut jack fisher capturing this stunning time-lapse video of the aurora borealis as seen from the international space station his epic tweet of the picture says people have asked me what a burrito of awesomeness smothered in awesome sauce is well folks it looks like this awesome sauce is green
2: indeed we always wondered in Health Matters tonight, what's believed to be a world first in Toronto, where doctors saved a baby by performing surgery in utero.
3: Hearing that he may not make it, it just didn't seem like an option. I got kind of stubborn. I was like, no, no, my baby's, that's not happening to my baby. This is going to
16: work.
2: And... Little Sebastian Havel is now two months old, but during a routine ultrasound, it was discovered he had a life-threatening health defect. His arteries were reversed and the walls of his heart were malformed. Doctors inserted a balloon into Sebastian's tiny heart using a needle through his mother's belly to open a pathway.
13: There were, there was lots of discussion before birth as to what the best way to deal with this was. I think what the parents were facing was a pretty
8: horrible situation Um, and they were very brave in the way they came through it when we discussed this procedure with them. It became apparent during the course of the pregnancy that it was going to be necessary.
2: Sebastian was born five days later and then had more surgery to fully repair his heart. Doctors say he's doing very well (laughs) and likely won't need heart surgery again.
1: The things they can do these days.
2: It's amazing.
1: It may be the most purely Canadian picture ever taken. A Mountie in the iconic red surge chasing a bear. The story behind it later.
2: And voters beware. A warning about the West Coast visitors you may not see until it's too late. The story behind this quintessentially Canadian scene captured on camera right after the forecast.
1: I'd almost say it was staged, but it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. Mm-hmm. All right, let's check in with Christy Gordon. Uh, beautiful for most of the lower mainland, but really those winds causing a lot of problems up in the interior.
11: That's right. So a lot of people enjoying summer, which is nice, but it means for terrible conditions in through the interior. And that's why we're dealing with the fires. Now, this is a scenario out there right now. A lot of people down at the beach. We hit 20 degrees near the water today, 26 inland. It was spectacular. We did see some cloud cover and that's because of the cold front that we were talking about. So it's rung through the entire province, this southern half of the province, not a lot of rain. Let's focus in on that rain. It really hit areas near Prince George, not even Areas further west in Fort St. James, we have still 22 fires of note across the province and they're just some small pockets near Quesnel, so not enough at all, but we did see some gusty winds. The focus of those gusty winds was south of the Caribou region, which was good. The winds remained fairly light in areas like Williams Lake and over towards 100 Mile House and then down through areas like Clinton and into even uh, Merritt, Kamloops, Princeton. That's where we started to see gusty winds through the afternoon hours and that's what has fueled the fires in that Clinton region. Now, for the forecast, uh, as we head into the evening hours, that cold front will push on. The winds will die down across all areas. And tomorrow will be hot and dry once again. We do have a chance of showers across the north coast region into Terrace, Dees Lake. Smithers will see some uh, shower activity later on in the day. And Prince George and Quennell will see a fair amount of cloud, but it will be hot. It will be dry. And at least the winds will ease off. Down through the south, though, it will be hot through the afternoon hours and we're back into the 30 degree uh, range. So uh, not only tomorrow but into uh, Friday and Saturday temperatures will really heat up and when we see those type of temperatures, even if we don't have a cold front, we start to see the gusty winds with that daytime heating. So that's what mostly we'll be watching in the coming days is those afternoon uh, gusty local winds. Now across the south coast we'll see some cloud cover tomorrow. Nice temperatures 22 to 25 degrees. A bit of humidity so areas of from the water it'll feel closer to 28 degrees but what we're watching is the heat come the weekend 28 degrees away from the water on sunday and potentially 29 on monday and still no rain in sight happy birthday to lillian stable she celebrated 105 years so congratulations to you and it is time for our weather window and it's we love water wednesday of course here's a look at uh Yeah, this is five-year-old Ada and her family invested in a rain barrel. And now uh, she can water her plants without actually using any fresh drinking water. Awesome. And thanks, Mom, Heather Vernon, for sending us this photo. And you can also send us your photo. Show us how you're conserving water and go to welovewater.ca for more water-saving ideas. Okay, YouTube, back to you.
2: Thanks a lot, Christy. Tourists in Alberta's Waterton Lakes National Park caught about the most Canadian sight imaginable.
1: Mountie dressed in full red serge chasing a young black bear. The cub had wandered into a campground. RCMP officers are trained to scare them off and hopefully prevent them from becoming accustomed to human contact.
12: There were hundreds of people, literally hundreds uh, crowds of people were watching us and uh, a lot of tourists and uh, they were getting very excited and they were like, oh wow, I came to Waterton to see a a mounty and a bear, and I've got both.
2: Well, the bear eventually disappeared. Park officials believe it had recently been weaned from its mother, and it's now become a common sight in the area. A Mountie might get more of a workout.
1: (laughs) A shocking collision caught on video this past spring between a whale and a boat highlights a growing problem off our coast. More whales making their way into local waters.
2: The video shows the boat literally lifting out of the water after hitting the whale. As Linda Aylesworth reports, B.C. boaters are now being recruited to help spot the giants before it's too late.
4: In an effort to gather data, the Cetacean Sightings Network at the Vancouver Aquarium relies on the public to report sightings, the majority of which come from the southern end of the Strait of Georgia. We don't actually have a ton of information on how cetaceans, so whales, dolphins and porpoises, are actually using the northern Strait of Georgia. That is why in the Northern Strait between Vancouver Island and the mainland, a census is being held on the August 5th long weekend. So we're conducting a study, but we need a concentrated effort of citizen scientists who can get out on the water to report their sightings to anything that they see. As many as 23 species of cetaceans can be found on our waters, like speedy little dolls' porpoises, shy harbour porpoises, Pacific white-sided dolphins and humpback whales. Oh my God. What we want people to report is what species they're seeing, what time, um, where they are, how long they were observing, and what direction they were traveling. To participate, even from shore if you like, go to cetaceanscensus.ca and register. You can download an app on your phone to make it easy to report sightings as they happen. You can also find out all you need to know about identifying different species. Our data is used for conservation-based research. It's used to advise large vessel captains where marine animals are so that they can go slower or avoid, avoid those areas. With a growing number of humpbacks returning to our waters, all boaters need to be whale-smart.
9: It's really important when boaters see a humpback, and that can just be a distant blow in the background, to slow down and, and, to, uh, uh, and to anticipate that the whales may come up in front of them
4: strikes are not uncommon oh my God. this one involving oh God. a surfacing gray whale was caught on video in puget sound in april oh which is why boaters need to slow down maintain a steady course and report their sightings and Alesworth global news
1: slow down and just enjoy the scenery yeah hmm. there, is there is a for that
2: for that exactly okay uh cruise all together again uh Suitably attired with red, white, and blue. Oh yeah, and,
1: gray and gray. <laughs>
2: but that
9: gray goes with anything.
1: <laughs> well, you're kind of orange,
9: but anyway. oh yeah, this is. I don't know what this is. Orangey. Okay, pumpkin. Oh. Not gold. <laughs> okay. Okay. Anyway. Uh, I'll keep looking. <laughs> what are you working You guys, yeah. you guys talk. What we're ever going to talk about again? No, it's oh, your turn. It's your oh, turn. it's already my turn? Well, then why was I staring at my tie? Um, hey, did the recent gold cup of soccer show things are changing for Canada's men's soccer team?
10: It was amazing, the buzz that, that was created in Canada, even, even you know other countries watching us.
9: Yes, for the first time in recent memory, there is young talent that isn't afraid to go for goals. And an
2: epic baby boom in Chicago, and it's no coincidence what's causing it.
9: Copper, that's the word I was looking for. Go Copper, ahead. that's a
1: good one. Okay, the
9: you ready? Yeah. Roll. So the high point of Canada's men's soccer program was the World Cup of 1986, when they made it all the way there. 1986! Sophie was hanging out with the Bengals, and Chris was the other guy in Wham! back in 1986. (laughs) And even though they only played three games at the World Cup and didn't score a goal, that's where the bar for Canada's men's team has remained for, what is it now, 31 years, 41 years, I gotta do math, I can't do math. There was a surprise Gold Cup win for Canada in 2000, but that didn't lead to anything great afterwards. Now another decent Gold Cup performance has hopes that maybe there is a future for Canadian soccer, for the men.
13: Even though Canada was eliminated in the quarterfinals of the Gold Cup, their overall performance is the biggest win for our men's national team in decades. For the first time in recent memory, there's genuine excitement that Canada can compete against top teams, and not by sitting back and absorbing wave after wave of pressure like they have in the past, but by actually going on the attack. I had
10: said that before the tournament, that we were going to surprise a couple of people because of talent and because just the feeling that we had with this new team and with, and with the new coach. Uh, you know, we feel very confident, we feel like we're more attacking side and we We actually feel that our opponents do fear us.
15: Every time uh, we played I felt like uh, we can beat any, time, any team and uh, we, we were confident on the ball and. Uh, Normally we just like kind of the team that, that drops uh, and a lot and just uh, moves around, but uh, not really had much possession. But this this uh, yeah this couple of games was was different.
14: inside. It's Alfonso Davies. Can he get second? Yes, he can.
13: Of course, the biggest story for Canada was the emergence of 16-year-old phenom Alfonso Davies. He scored three spectacular goals as he announced to the soccer world he is ready for prime time. Davies is certainly the centerpiece of Canada's bright future, but a guy who knows him well says don't rush the kid to superstardom just yet. People keep telling me that I should play him every single minute of every game, uh, like Canada did for the first two games. But it's impossible to do that. He's 16 years of age, you know. And if you understand football and understand sports, then you just got to be smarter with the decisions. So he did himself proud, as did all the other Canadian players. But the excitement for Canada's future is palpable. This young core will only get better, and gives Canada something we haven't had with our men's side in a quarter century—hope.
10: We only had a couple months to prepare for this tournament, and you know we surprised a few people. So imagine if we have six months a year, give us time, and uh, we'll, we'll
13: impress some people. Very delay global sports. I was right the first
9: time. 1986 was 31 years. Hey, the Lions and the Loops will continue their relationship for another three years. The BC Lions say training camp will be held in Kamloops until 2020. They love training up in Kamloops. Uh, yesterday, Jay caught up with Nick Taylor getting ready for the Canadian Open, which will start tomorrow in Oakville, Ontario. Today, he has the other member of the Abbotsford duo, Adam Hadwin.
10: Well, it has been a breakthrough season for Adam Hadwin, a, a year of first, first Canadian to shoot 59, first PJ Tour victory, yeah. first Masters appearance, first Open Championship uh, experience for you what has 2016 2017 been like
15: don't forget first marriage as well hopefully last <laughs> um, no it's you know what it's been incredible um, yeah I think I, I think sometimes I kind of lose sight of how good the year has been um, we kind of fall back on recent results as golfers and uh, but uh, it's it's been great uh, certainly no complaints I'm having a ton of fun the open experience last week was great uh, I can't wait to play in, in, a, in a bunch more. And uh, what a great feeling to come back to Glen Abbey here and play in front of the Canadian fans.
10: I'm glad you mentioned that because forget about cashing checks because when you're out here, you want, just want to try to maintain your card. Then you want to win. There's something about the Canadian Open, though. Yeah. Two years ago here at Glen Abbey, you are in contention, finished tied for seventh. Of course, Seat 2011, yeah. you finished fourth. What is it about this championship? And we all know the history of Pat Fletcher of course. over half a century. Yeah,
15: you guys always remind us remind us of that every week. And um, You know what? I think more than anything, it's just coming home to, to play in front of the the Canadian fans here um we get such great support every week uh, on tour uh especially in the early part of the season down south all the snowbirds and, and everything during the the west coast and the Florida swing but um we get an entire tournament of them this week and, and they love their golf they love their Canadians and um they're really uh they really just want to see us do well play well and and we just want to play well in front of them and it is Adam Hadwin's eighth RBC Canadian
10: Open hard to believe
15: that's crazy uh time's flown and uh it's funny, actually, I was just walking down uh, Ninth fairway today in the Pro-Am and, and saw the guy me, the caddy for him, at very first one in 2010, going up 10 playing in the Pro-Am. So uh, it's hard to believe that uh, this is the eighth.
10: He's a huge fan of the Blue Jays. He was at the game yesterday. We're looking forward to see what he does on the playing field here at Glen Abbey.
9: Well, you won't be seeing Novak Djokovic until 2018. His elbow, too sore. Remember, he had the drop out of Wimbledon, well, in the Wimbledon tournament because of a sore elbow. Now he says he's not going to play in the U.S. Open. We'll see him again at the Aussie in 2018. There you go. Hope he recovers quickly. Thanks, yeah, Squire. You're welcome.
2: Oh, I'm, I almost never. I get to check in with him. No, we have some breaking wildfire news. Andrea has the details. And what else is coming up on well, Global the- News at 11? Yeah, and
15: first tell you about that wildfire, Chris, and it's getting close to the community of Monty Lake, just 50 kilometers southeast of Kamloops. The 30 hectare fire burning on Martin Mountain has forced a closure of Highway 97 at Paxton Valley Road. The Thompson-Nicola region has also declared a state of local emergency for part of the region. And of course, we continue to track any new developments in the disappearance of Bruno Fulton. The 11-year-old went missing while riding his bike with his family in Stanley Park this afternoon police now asking for the public's help we'll have those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock chris
2: all right and holding out hope for some good news mm.
15: well we
1: now know how cubs fans celebrated their world series win nine months ago that's up next
2: well almost like we planned it we want to go back to our breaking news involving that missing 11 year old boy
1: some good news bruno fulton has been found our nadia stewart joins us with the breaking details on that nadia
6: Yeah, that's right, guys. Just confirmed with Vancouver Police just moments ago. They say that the boy has been found. It's still not clear exactly where he was found, but he has been found safe. Definitely some good news. You know, in the time that we've been here in the park, a number of parents uh, have come up to us just asking us, you know, if he's been found. Is he okay? Uh, So definitely good news for all of our viewers tonight. Bruno has been found.
1: Good, and relief for his family, for sure. Nadia, thank you. More details coming up tonight on BC1 and at 11 o'clock.
2: Of course. Now, for long-suffering Chicago Cubs fans, it was the greatest gift of their lives. The day last November, their beloved Cubbies finally won the World Series.
1: And now, nine months later, the city is experiencing a curiously timed baby boom.
5: The Chicago Cubs have become the gift that keeps on giving. Yes, after waiting more than a century for a World Series... You little
3: Cubs fan.
5: ...many die-hard couples have only had to wait nine months for the next installment, a newborn baby. And today, the little sluggers were celebrated. The groom's family welcomed little baby Rose yesterday.
4: She definitely is born a Cubs fan, for sure. Like, she doesn't even have a choice. Today, she
5: was welcomed into the world of the Cubbies. the year. You. you got any vacancies?
16: No, actually, we're full today.
5: It seems couples stepping up to the plate to celebrate victory is a real-life anecdotal phenomenon, according to Dr. Melissa Dennis. So after 108 years of sorrow, the Cubs are really bringing joy to this city.
16: The Cubs are bringing joy, and the joy just keeps coming.
5: The baby bump also apparently visited Boston in the wake of the Red Sox win. We're
3: all babies!
5: And the NFL's even created the Super Bowl Babies Choir. With kids, the storks sent winning cities nine months...